Good morning, church. Thank you for taking the time to meet with us here this morning online. Even though we're not able to meet in person, we believe that we are able to be united through the Spirit of Christ in heart and mind, and that he will still reveal himself to us as we fix our eyes on him this morning. First of all, I just want to say that we can't be sure exactly what things will look like over the next few weeks at the Bars Mill Church of God, but again, the elders will be meeting uh, on Monday evening to talk about some ideas for the next few weeks, and we'll keep you updated as we make some decisions. Today we're going to be looking into Christ's interactions with his disciples in John uh, chapter 14. We're going to start in chapter 13 in verse 31, and then we'll get into our main verses in chapter 14 of the book of John. What we see here is the moments before Christ was arrested, the days leading up to that, and we see how Christ was interacting with his disciples and uh, the ways that he was talking to them in these moments was very significant, I believe, and something that we should take to heart every day, but I think also especially in the day we live in now, the things that are going on around us and how it seems that uh, everyone and everything is just kind of in a mode of panic around us. Uh, so we're going to start in John chapter 13 uh, in verse 31 says, when he had gone out, meaning when Judas had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going you cannot come. A new commandment I give you that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. And then starting in chapter 14, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may also be and you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So these were unsure times for the disciples. In this moment, we see Jesus revealing that things were about to drastically change. We see in the preceding verses that Judas was about to betray Jesus. Uh, we see Jesus telling Peter that uh, Peter would deny Jesus, and Christ overall was telling them that he would be leaving them soon. Uh, so this uh, relationship that they had with him for these 
few years walking with him daily was about to change in a significant way. Uh, and we have to remember also in this time what the Jews were looking for uh, at this moment. Uh, they were looking not for a Savior or Messiah to come the way that Christ came, a, a Savior that would come born in such humble circumstances. They were looking for somebody who would come uh, and set up a political kingdom, somebody who would raise up the nation of Israel and have that they would then have power over all of their enemies and uh, kind of all other nations would be under their uh, rule and authority. Uh, so you can imagine at this time how uh, Christ and the way he was talking would have brought about such severe anxiety among the disciples uh, as they would hear Christ telling them all of the things that were about to change. Uh, but in this moment then we see Christ pointing their hearts towards confidence in him and away from all of the anxiety and worry and doubt that they may have had. Christ was pointing them towards trust and obedience in spite of their fears. Uh, so the first thing that we understand from this passage is that comfort comes in confidence in God and Christ the Son. Again in John 14 verse 1 it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. So what is necessary for us as the people of God is that we would trust or believe in God in all revelations concerning his being. Everything that he has revealed about himself, the principles of his word, everything that he has said about himself and how he interacts in his uh, relationship with mankind, that we would trust what he has spoken about himself and we would apply that to our lives. And then that would begin to affect Every decision we make, every interaction with others, our family, friends, co-workers, whatever it is, that uh, our understanding of what God has revealed about himself uh, would influence everything that we say and do. And we have to understand the significance first then of what God has said about himself, what he has revealed about his being, and again, how he desires to interact with mankind. The first thing that we have to understand, all of this is leading us to having a majestic view of who God is, understanding God's glory. And if you study that word glory in the original language, it means basically the weight uh, of who God is, not physical weight, obviously, but the significance of his being. We talk about the weight of God, of the glory of God, that is basically our minds trying to speak forth the incomprehensible uh, being of God. We are trying to use human language to describe a being that is that far beyond, the, beyond us that no word can actually be applied to him. But we use that word glory, or again, the original language meaning the weight or essence of God. We use that simply to try to describe uh, God's transcendent being, all that he is, and how significant and beyond us he is. So a high view of God is foundational to everything in our Christian walk. Uh, so comfort comes in confidence in God. But to have confidence in God, we have to understand the significance of who he is. Just a few examples would be understanding that God is eternal that everything that we see around us is uh, 
uh, based on time, that we have this linear progression of things having a starting point and an ending point. We see all throughout the Word of God that God is described as eternal and unchanging. Uh, Psalm 93.2 says, Your throne was established long ago. You were from all eternity. Then Psalm 90 verse 2 says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting you are God. Psalm 102 verses 26 and 27 says, They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. So God is eternal, meaning he is not bound by time or space or anything. He is, has always been and always will be. Next thing this Bible says is that God is wise. Job 9 Verse 4 says, His wisdom is profound, His power is vast. Who has resisted Him and come out unscathed? And then Job chapter 12, verse 13 says, To God belong wisdom and power, and counsel and understanding are His. So God is wise beyond what we can imagine. His wisdom is perfection. Everything that He has ever spoken uh, was out of full understanding, and everything He has ever spoken has been perfect in every way. God is also self-existent and transcendent, meaning he does not depend on anything or anyone, and he is not bound by the laws that we find in nature. The other things we see in the Word of God is he is infinitely powerful, he is omnipresent, that he is everywhere in every moment. The Word of God says that he is faithful, he is good, he is just, he is merciful and gracious, he is love. See, it's so significant that we understand what God has revealed about himself because that is the foundation uh, of our understanding of every other situation in life. Again, A.W. Tozer has said that what comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us because if we have a diminished view of who God is, then we will absolutely fail in our confidence in him at some point in life. And if we fail in our confidence in Him, we will never experience the comfort of God in situations that we experience in life. Uh, so we have to believe in God's revelation of Himself. Uh, and then we have to believe in His revelation of Himself through Christ the Son. The Bible says that Christ is the radiance of God's glory, that He is the exact representation of God's being. So everything that we see in Christ uh, is an exact representation of the Father. So in this world, when we have an elevated concept of who God is, when we understand the fullness of what he has revealed about himself, and then we begin to believe that and trust that and apply that to our lives, we have confidence in him, and then we are able to experience the comfort of God because we believe that we rest in his arms, no matter what situations we're facing in life or what's going on around us. We believe that we rest in his arms when things seem to be changing around us and tossing back and forth like the waves of the sea, we know we have a sure foundation in him that can never be shaken. So when we believe God is who he says he is, and then we apply that understanding to our lives, we may experience pain and suffering and sorrow and loss in this world, but my soul in the midst of that can be in perfect peace in him. We stay near to him in trouble. Because the Bible says that he is the God of all comfort. And again, to understand him and experience that comfort, I have to have confidence 
in him. Uh, the second thing we see in this passage is that we have to have confidence that Christ is working on our behalf. John 14, 2 says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And then we see things like uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Uh, these are the things that God has revealed to us by his Spirit. So God has prepared things for his people that no eye has understood, that no human through his own human vision has begun to understand. But through Christ, we have experienced now in this moment all of the benefits of walking with God. Again, remember Psalm 103, David begins by saying, Praise the Lord, O my soul, praise the Lord, and forget not all of his benefits, that we would be people who would forget not the benefits of God, understanding that he has prepared things for his people that are beyond understanding, but he reveals those things to us through his Spirit as we walk with him in a relationship. Uh, so God has prepared things for his people. Uh, the... Uh, uh, I think it was Barnes' note on the Bible, says this about 1 Corinthians 2.9. It says, Those things that he has prepared for his people relate to the pardon of sin, the atonement, and to justification by faith, to the peace and joy which religion imparts, to the complete and final redemption from sin and death which the gospel is suited to produce, in uh, which it will ultimately affect, in all these respects, the blessings which the gospel confers, surpass the full comprehension of people and are infinitely beyond all that man could know or experience without the religion of Christ. And if on earth the gospel confers such a blessing on its friends, how much higher and purer shall be the joys which it shall bestow in heaven. So God's disposition towards mankind is always goodness, his desire to be good to them. And he is laid out all of these blessings for us to step into just justification, the atonement, peace and joy, uh, complete redemption from sin. All of these things that he has laid out for these people that no eye has ever been able to conceive of before. He has laid out these things for us to step into. And not only that, but he is leading us then out of that into something greater. If he has poured out on us such blessings today. Uh, again, as we read here, how much higher and pure shall be the joys which he shall bestow in heaven. If God has poured out such blessing on us today, uh, what do we have to look forward to when we stand in his presence and see him as he is? And he reveals a few things about what heaven will be like. Uh, Revelation chapter 21 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Uh, in Revelation chapter 22, it says, No longer will there be any accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light. Of lamp or sun for the Lord will be their light and they will reign forever and ever that we would be in a place where there would be no more sorrow no more pain no more tears that we would be in a place where we wouldn't need any sort of lamp simply because 
the glory of God would shine so bright that it would light everything in us and around us, and we would reign with him forever and ever again. Such blessings of God have been poured out into us in this life, but, but that is simply a glimpse, a foretaste of what we have stored up for us in heaven when we stand in God's presence and see uh, him as he is. Psalm 23 says this, that we are able to, uh, through his spirit, dwell in his house. Uh, Psalm 23, 6 says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all of my days, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the point is that Christ said, uh, If I am going now, I go to prepare a place for you. He is going to the Father to prepare a place for his people. And we have confidence that he has not just left us on our own, but he has, number one, sent us a counselor, a comforter, that walks with us daily, dwells within us, speaks to us the things of God, and works the comfort of God in our hearts. But Christ is also in the place of heaven with the Father, uh, and he is building a place for us, making preparations for the day when we stand there with him and we dwell in his house forever. He is also working in heaven on our behalf as he secures our entrance to heaven by his sacrifice, number one, but then, in this moment, his continual intercession for us. First John chapter 2, verse 1 says, My dear children, I, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And then Romans 8, starting in verse 31, it says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Uh, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? If God, it is God who justifies, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. And then Rome, uh, Hebrews chapter 7 Verse 25 says, Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for us. So in this moment, as we walk through this earth, as we try to find our way in his spirit through this earth, we have Christ standing in the presence of the Father, interceding for us. So today, in this moment, we have a Savior who has not left us to find our own way, but we have a Savior who is working on our behalf in this moment. And if he is working on our behalf, then we have the confidence that he will receive us. In John 14, verse 3, it says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. So the first thing that we understand then uh, in this is that if Christ has prepared a place for us, he will lead us to that place. So death is not to be feared in Christ. Luke chapter 2, uh, starting at verse 25, this is where Christ was being brought after he was born to the temple to be dedicated. In verse 25, it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, 
Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. So Simeon was able to look forward to death and uh, going to be with God because he had seen the comfort that had come in Christ for Israel. And then Acts chapter 7, we see this is when Stephen was before the Sanhedrin and they were uh, you know, upset about him doing work for Christ and preaching for Christ. And then verse 54, it says, When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were fur furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. So Stephen, in this moment, when he was standing before all of these people who were supposed to be God's people, but they were simply religious people, but in this moment he had the boldness to preach to them the truths of God, uh, that they had uh, turned away the true Messiah. He had the confidence to speak to that to them in the midst of facing death. And in this moment, he simply said, uh, knowing what was going to be uh, his fate in this moment. He simply said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He had confidence in God. He experienced the comfort of God in this moment. It says, then he uh, lay, fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. So not only did he have the confidence in comfort to rest in God, that God was carrying his spirit through this, but he also had the confidence in God and comfort in his spirit to say, these people, though they are about to kill me, they have no idea what they are doing. Do not hold this against them. And it says, when he said this, he fell asleep. So God received him in this moment. And we see in Psalm 116, verse 15, it says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. We talk about this because today, death is something that brings about such a fear in people. If you begin to talk about death. Most people get so uncomfortable because it's a topic that we don't understand. We don't like to think about. Most people will never even discuss the topic of death, even with their children. I believe it's something that we should uh, be able to talk to our children, the reality of death, but understanding that in perspective of who God is and what God offers to us. So the point is that death is nothing to be feared for the people of God, that God carries us through this life he is our refuge and strength and help in this life, but he is also our refuge as we pass through the moment of death. He is the refuge that carries our spirit through that moment of death and ushers our spirit into his presence. Death is a beautiful thing in God. It is precious in his sight because it is the culmination of a life of the person who fixes their eyes on him and walks with him. And then their body is simply separated from the soul and he steps into the presence of God, sees him as he is, has perfect communion and fellowship in that moment. And also then steps into and lays hold of all of the things that Christ has been working for uh, in preparation for his coming. Again, Christ said, if I go uh, to be with the Father, I am preparing a place for you. And then I will come back and get you. Uh, so Christ is preparing. And in that moment where we experience death, 
we step into his presence, experience everything in his fullness, and in that moment, lay hold of all that Christ was working to prepare for us. The last thing we have to do is have confidence then that he has shown us the way. John 14, 4 says, you know the way to the place. So we have to understand the significance of what Christ has done, that God the Father, uh, in his mind, in his infinite love, conceived the plan of salvation to redeem a lost people who were strangers to him. Again, as we've talked about hospitality, that he would invite us back into his presence to have perfect communion with him. And he conceived this plan then that he would redeem these people and Christ brought that plan to earth then. Christ brought that plan to earth. He walked with man. He showed man who God is again, remembering that Christ is the exact representation of the Father. He is uh, he is showing us the eternal being of the Father. We saw him uh, as he walked among men. And in that, then, we see that he has shown us the way to God, the truth of God, and the life that is contained in God. Everything that is necessary for us to experience life and godliness was revealed to us in Christ. Christ came to show us the way, the truth, and the life. And he says that is exactly what he is. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Everything that the Father is was revealed in Christ. The way, the truth, the life. Everything that man needed to know that was necessary for life and godliness was revealed to us in Christ. And again, he says then in verse 4, you know the way to the place where I am going. So if you are walking today with God, if you are walking in a relationship with him, if you believe he is who he says he is, if we seek to apply his principles, we can have confidence in who he is. And that then is the way to the place where Christ has gone to make preparations for us to be there with Christ and the Father uh, and the Holy Spirit for all eternity, having perfect communion. In that then, death is nothing to fear. It is precious in the sight of the Lord. And we can have comfort and confidence in the God that uh, leads us every day. The last thing we'll say is Psalm 90, starting in verse 1, says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You see, peace comes and comfort comes with the confidence that God is our dwelling place that he is beyond all of the daily struggles in this life, and in him we find rest. So today, as we end in these moments, remember Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. The word of God says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, is, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So if we have been raised with him, if we have been raised up out of the pit of sin and death into uh, the family of God, then seek the things that are above, meaning an understanding of who God is, understanding the fullness of the blessings that God offers to us today in Christ. Understanding that Christ now is seated at the right hand of God, 
set our minds on the things that are above, not on the things on earth, not on the things that seem to be changing constantly around us, not on all of the health concerns that have people so uh, such in such a panic today. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be concerned in any way, that we shouldn't be smart, but that I understand at some point that whatever happens here on the earth, that God has my soul in the palm of his hand, that he is my refuge, and I am dwelling with him now, and I will dwell with him forevermore in the future. So whatever happens here on this earth, my mind is set on the things above the source of my thoughts, the source of my life, come from the place where God dwells, not this earth. And in that, I understand who he has revealed himself to be, that I can have confidence in that, and then I gain comfort knowing that all of my being rests in the hands of God in this moment. God, we thank you today again for your word that speaks life, speaks truth, and speaks to us the way to life and godliness. And all of that was revealed to us in Christ, your Son. We thank you for that today. As we go through, through the next few weeks, we pray that you would give us confidence in you and we would gain comfort from your Spirit, that we would speak to others words of life and confidence and boldness in you. And Father, we pray that you would be glorified in us and through us. It is in your name we pray. Amen.